0: You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. Man, oh man. How many of you, if you were here, how many enjoyed Randall last weekend? Yeah, Randall's so much fun, man. I'm so glad he said something. for those of you that came Sunday night, he was really funny Sunday night, um, He was a lot just laid back. And he got up here and he's like, this face is my happy face. And it was like, it was just so funny because like he is so serious. My my son calls him an intense Santa Claus. Like he's like, he has this great giving thing about him, but he's intense, you know. Um, What's that kid's movie we like to watch? The Guardians where the Santa Claus is like this Russian tattooed you haven't seen that movie, there's a lot of kingdom in that movie. Rise of the Guardians. Yeah, I, I don't know what you'll go home and watch with just Guardian. <laughs> Rise of the Guardians. It's a cool animated kids movie. Thank you, Lord. I was letting them get the offering baskets passed. Uh, I felt like this morning I wanted to talk to you about... Um, something that really is the core, of the DNA, the, the, con- the, the concrete, if you want to call it that, the foundation of what we do at the gate, and it really is just the topic of the gate. Um, it's the topic of where heaven connects to earth. And I'm going to just, let me say this, I really am expecting God to do some miraculous things this morning. I, I, I really don't need, I really don't need yeas and amens. I love them, but I know he's going to do it. <laughs> and so... Um, I know he's going to heal people. I know he's going to touch people. We are called, uh, you know, we named this church The Gate. Uh, let me just tell you a little bit of the story about it. We used to be called, so my dad pastored this church before, of you don't know. He usually goes to church here when they're not in Florida. Um, they go away during, you know, with, with all the old people um, <laughs> during the winter, and, and uh, <laughs> um, I'm jealous the whole time too. I'm all, <laughs> you're like, man, it's like 80 there, and uh, um, and so they 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 pastor this church for many years. I, I I don't have time to go into the history of it, but something that is just unique is that actually the roots of this church, if I had the time to take you through it, go back to Azusa Street, and it was actually birthed from. The revival. How many know what Azusa Street is? (laughs) Okay. Um, It was actually birthed from that. And so fast forward years later, I think my dad came here in like, I don't know, 88 and pastored for 28 years, I think. That's amazing. And uh, really stewarded just the presence of the Lord so well for so many years. My dad was um, a worshiper. My mom's a worshiper. My mom's amazing. Um, My mom, like, uh, both my parents are amazing, but if my mom gets a hold of you, You're going to get blessed one way or the other. If you try to run, she'll get you. Um, And and somewhere in around 2000, and I don't know, 12, 13, maybe even 2014, um, the Lord, we were starting to come into a season of transition where my wife and I were going to be taking over the church. And I had felt like God was telling us we're going to change the name of the church, which I knew my dad (laughs) is not the biggest for change. and it's <laughs> just sorry give me a minute um, and uh, he, he I was like this is not going to go well and the lord gave me this dream where i was in uptown charlotte which was so powerful because we were singing over the same city where i had a dream this morning and we're singing god of revival over that background and uh, I had this encounter with the Lord where I went into Uptown, and I kept running into people that were just, you know, bringing up, hey, are you going to the gate? Are you going to the gate? And through this series of this dream, I, I came to realize I pastored the gate. And um, and so <laughs> I uh, remember I was going to tell my dad, like, I feel like if we step in, we need to change the name of the church, because it was Christian Life Center. It's a sweet name, I know. Um, and we were Christian Life Center for many, many years, and... Um, I came in, I'll never forget my dad was in, this room over here it used to be like a pastor's room. And we were talking and chatting and I was like, you know, here we go, I'm Gonna lay it out. And I said, dad, I feel like, I feel like we're gonna need to change the name of the church to match the identity that God is releasing over who, who we're stepping into. You know, how many know Abram had to become Abraham and Sarai, Sarah, before they actually got the promise? Sometimes you have to actually become the promise before you receive the promise, that's a, that's a good word right there. Um, and so here we are. I, I, I said, all right. I said, I feel like we're supposed to change the name of the church to The Gate when we step in. And he just he looked at me and just grinned. I thought, Is, he's in shock. Um, and he just leans down in his, ba- in his bag, in his briefcase, and he pulls out a book. He said, I just bought this book to read it, and it's called The Gate Church by Frank DiMaggio. i never heard of this book before. It's a great book. I'm going to share a couple things that I gained from that. And <laughs> I thought, thank you, Lord, you went before me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so we changed the name of the church to The Gate, and we, we launched, we kicked off. We had a panel of people up here the night that we, we launched. One of, them, one of them was Robin McMillan, and uh, Robin was so funny. He, he did something I've never seen somebody do. So I invited Robin as a prophetic voice. I don't know how many you know who Robin McMillan is. For many years, there was Morning Star was really like forerunning in the prophetic. And Robin was one of the pastors. He's really a prophet. And, um, and so Robin, I invited him in. And uh, so Robin comes to me and he says, John, and if you've heard this, I'm sorry. I just feel like I need to lay out the foundation for where I'm going. He said, John, I, said, I feel like I have a prophetic word. I said, "Great, you're a, you're a prophet." <laughs> he said, "But I want to make sure it's the Lord, so I'm going to test my prophetic word with the word of knowledge." I thought that's kind of cool, actually. Like it's like a way you can test your own word. And uh, so what he did is he came in. He said, "He said this is w- what uh, five years ago." He said, Do "You have." A, he didn't even know I had like what kids I had. We didn't know each other well. He said, "Do you have a son?" I'm like yeah. He's like, <laughs> he's on the camera. He's like is he intense? Like, yeah. He's like, does he dominate a room when he walks in? I'm like, you, you are getting A's all so, so far. A, A. And he said, I, and, and, and he went through this prophetic word. He said, I saw Phineas. You guys remember Phineas in the Bible, like, put a sword through two people? Keep this PG. Um, put a sword through two people. Um, Is justice driven? He said, I see your son is justice driven, like Phineas in the Bible. I'm like, all right, so you nailed it. What's the word? So he went through and he gave all this, you know, and so he stood up here from the pulpit and he basically prophetically established Tiffany and I, because there'd been a lot of like, you know, st- stuff going on with us stepping in. And he stood up there and he said, <laughs> you know, I'll never forget it. I have it on my phone on a recording. And he said, The Lord wants you to know. That God said he chose John and Tiffany for this, and he basically it was like a Gandalf moment where he was like, Phew! he was like, this is what it's going to be, and he established some things spiritually and prophetically. It was a powerful moment for us um, and it was the Lord it, it was really the Lord and so we begin to move forward as the gates and I want to just just open your Bibles up to Genesis 28 if you would, and i 'm going to kind of tell you what not only why we chose the name but what we're called to be. Holy Spirit, would you just come and would you just, I want to ask a favor. Lord, would you just absolutely surprise us this morning? <laughs> would, you, would you shake, Lord, for those that just came because they just were curious what this church is or those that came because they always come, would you surprise us this morning? Would you just shake us out of any normal Sunday morning routine today? Holy Spirit, this is yours. This is your day. This is your church. Have your way. Have your way. We see this interesting scripture in, in Genesis. Oof, this is tiny font, Jordan. <laughs> Feeling old. Um, um, we see this interesting scripture in, in Genesis chapter 8 where we read about Jacob. Let me give you a little bit of context before we jump in. So Jacob at this point Jacob is running basically for his life from his brother Esau, who wants to kill him, because Jacob took Esau's blessing from their father. And uh, I was reading through this this morning, and just just go with me because I think it's funny. Um, I was reading through the blessing that um, when Isaac blessed Jacob, and it's said in, um, actually in chapter 27, verse 27, it says, so he went to him and he kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, this is part of the blessing, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. I find that so funny. You aren't laughing. (laughs) Ah, oh, the smell of, I don't know, there's something manly about this blessing. He's like, ah, oh, the smell of my son, the smell of a field. If you have children and boys, you know what I'm talking about. And it's like, the Lord has blessed that field and you smell like it. I think it's great. Sorry. So we move on and we see where, you know, Jake, uh, Jacob is, is, is hauling it so he doesn't get killed by his brother, Esau. And it picks up in verse 10 where it says that, And Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he had reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on earth and with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending. I always thought that was interesting just for me personally. The angels weren't coming down and going back up. They were going up, getting their assignments, and coming back down. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, "'I am the Lord God of your father, Abraham, the God of Isaac, "'and I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying.'" Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. Pause there. How many of you know this is a pretty amazing encounter he's having? I am with you. Everybody say, I am with you, and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I promised. Ah, oh, I love this passage. Now, let me just. So he's in a different covenant than we are. So everything I'm gonna to talk to you about today, don't look back at it and be like, man, I wish that could have been me. You have an invitation to better. Let yeah. me say that again. Everything I read today, every every everything I go through, I want you to realize I don't want you to have the mindset that would have been awesome to experience that. You are invited into a greater experience than that. I'm going to give you the end of my sermon first. You are invited into a lifestyle where there's always an open heaven, there's always the voice of God, and there's always angelic activity, not a location. So if you have to leave early, you got the end of my sermon. That's that's the climax right there. Verse 18, early the next morning, Jacob took the stone that he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar. Oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I skipped the script uh, verse like my main verse, verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. Some of them will say Bethel. This is the gate of heaven. And then it goes on to say earlier the next day he took off. This is something that if you've been here for more than three or four years, you probably heard me preach on this more than once. But I think sometimes we need to, um, it's like if you're driving a truck with a load on it, sometimes you got to pull over and tighten the straps a little bit. After a while, things can just get loose. We're going to tighten down things this morning. And I want you to understand that we are, this is no longer a location like Jacob had. He had this encounter with the Lord, but we are the house of God. We get to live in a better covenant. But this is an interesting passage because Jacob has this encounter with the Lord that is just a tremendous encounter with angelic activity. All these different things are happening. These angels, they're going up, they're coming down, and he awakes from it, and he makes this first statement, surely the Lord is here. I didn't even know it. How many of you have ever had that happen to you before? Surely the Lord... (laughs) Some of you still haven't figured it out. (laughs) I look at some people during worship, I'm like, oh, he's here. You're just not catching it yet. If you'd like... I'm going to stop. Surely the presence of the Lord is here. I didn't notice it. Sometimes there's all these different things that can stop us from recognizing the presence of the Lord, especially in this culture we live in. We are, oh my goodness, we are overwhelmed with distractions. We're overwhelmed with information. Can I just preach, side note, you were not designed to absorb the amount of information that you have the opportunity to absorb daily. I just I want you to understand that you weren't created that way. You weren't, and there are seasons where I think that there's healthy balance. I think that, that we need to be aware to a degree of what's going on in culture. I think that it can also be harmful that we can get into a little circle and we have no idea what's going on. At the same time, you can be overindated with information to the point where you feel like your life's falling apart. And the reality is, is that you're really just hearing more of the news than you are of God. And at some point, if you're hearing more of the news than God, it's going to get really depressing. It's going to get really depressing. Uh, you know, one of the things that we see, this is a little bit of a rabbit trail, but the Lord talks about uh, these, this fivefold ministry. He said that when. Um, that he he left us. Basically, when Jesus walked the earth and then Jesus ascended, he took the primary five graces on his life and he split them up and said, okay, so we, I'm leaving you with five gifts for the church. I'm leaving you with those that are apostles, those that are prophets, those that are teachers, those that are evangelists, and those that are pastors. I call them five gifts. And often what happens with um, many denominations as they have come to believe that the first two gifts are no longer needed, apostles and prophets, which I think is baloney. Yeah. Just Let me just say that, absolute baloney. And here's the thing that you end up with. If you believe that apostles and prophets no longer exist, you end up with churches that are not led by those that primarily their function is to hear from heaven. Right. You need to understand this. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, although they do hear from heaven... Much of what they do, the pastor, is to help to take you and to make you more like the image of Christ. They work you through things. They walk you through things. How many of you know we, we 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 need good pastors? And we have good pastors in this church. And teach you know, pastors are they're, they're really wanna see you do well. And and then you've got teachers and, and they want to make sure that you understand the things you're reading. They wanna we give them a hard time sometimes, but man, we need good teachers. Let me, let me say it this way. We need spirit-filled teachers <laughs> that are good teachers because what happens is, is when you get a marriage between someone who can teach the word that also experiences the word, yes. I don't want to hear your concepts of the word. I don't want to hear your concepts of it. I want you to teach me what you are experiencing through it. I even saw people that preach, one of the most dangerous things you can do is to get up here and preach about something that you think, but you've not experienced. Why? Because your experience is rooted, excuse me, your authority is rooted in your experience. Your your authority is not rooted in your concepts. Someone that thinks God is good, but doesn't really know if he's good, I can point them out in a heartbeat. They're like, God is good. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I hear you like trying to speak that right now, but you haven't actually had like the experience of the goodness of God in your life yet, where when you walk away, you're marked for life like he's so good. Let me put it this way. My, my wife's, my wife's um, father, who passed away a few years ago of cancer, um, we had prayed, he loved the Lord, don't get me wrong, he really did love the Lord. But he, uh, we really wanted him just to have an encounter. He'd had a lot of hard things happen at the, at the end part of his life. A lot of people had died close to him. And I could feel it challenged the goodness of God in his mind. You, how many you understand, you can go through so many things sometimes, it can, it can challenge you. Yeah. I talked about this a few weeks ago. John the Baptist sitting in prison who baptized Jesus is saying, is he even the son of God? Yeah. Hard things can challenge you. But they don't challenge you to take it away from you. They challenge you to firm it up in you. And so with my father-in-law, he had had a lot of things. I mean, they had lost a child. that You should never have your child die before you. He had lost another nephew that was like a child. And um, he lost a lot of loss. One of his best friends had died all within, what, five to ten years. Um, And I remember just our prayer for Barry was always that, Lord, we just want Barry to just know your goodness I could feel like he knew the Lord, but I wanted to know his goodness. Fast forward, very—you know—he we found out he had cancer, and 45 days later, he was gone. We, we, it was a small window. Um, and I remember at the, at the end, I remember he started having encounters on his deathbed with the goodness of the Lord. And he just was, a, as much pain as he was in, he was just all smiles. And he just started saying, God is so good. And you see, he was marked by it now. He started having these encounters with the Lord. And the last thing he said, and this is such a crazy testimony, we actually were not in town when he passed away. And so we, we, the best we could do was we had to zoom him right before he passed away. But I'll never forget it because it was so him. He looked at us, and I'm talking, this is hours before he passed away, and he said, he said to us, he said, I win, you lose. That was his last word. It was a joke because, one, every time we played card games with him and he won, he'd be like, I win, you lose. But he had such an encounter with the goodness of God, he knew where he was going, and his last thing he said is, I win, you lose. That has been, let it not, can we not wait until we're on our deathbed? though, to experience that. The goodness of the Lord. We need, you see, when we have that experience, it becomes authority. Why do you think that somebody who got healed, someone who comes up and gets healed and someone else says, God doesn't heal anymore. You're not going to move them. Why? Because they got healed. You can, you can debate them. You can tell them, you can send them all the YouTube leaks you want. I get a lot of those. <laughs> You're going to try to change their mind, and they're going to say, listen, all I know, all I know is that I was blind, but now I see. I don't have a theology for it necessarily. I don't necessarily have a doctrine for it, but I know this. He must be good because he healed me. You see, and then what happens is as you begin to, but we need teachers. Man, I'm feeling this. I don't know why I'm on this. This has nothing to do with my sermon, but um, we need <laughs> We need those of you that are teachers that carry the experience so that you have the ability to say, let me show you something, not only what I know, but what I know. Yeah. And, and, and so many people, they want to believe it, but they just need help. And we, we tend to have a couple groups of people, right? It's kind of in, in these moves. We have people that are like, listen, I'm just all for Jesus. I can find him in the presence. I can find him in the burning of my heart. That's really strongly who I am. And there's some people who are like, I need a scripture for everything. And I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not. That's where teachers come in and say, let me help you understand some wonderful scriptures that will help guide you. Because a lot of times people are trying to get there, it's just they've been raised their whole life to only see it through one lens. All right. And then we have (laughs) evangelists. Evangelists are fun, they're usually fun, they can be intense. They could be sometimes scary, but um, evangelists are so much fun, though, because they just have such a heart to get out and to love people. Yeah. Evangelists that run a church is usually a huge church because yeah. everybody wants to be around them because they inspire you. But the Lord said he took these five gifts and he left them. He said, I'm going to take these five graces, the, the, the offices, the apostle, the prophet, the teacher, the pastor, and the evangelist, And no one person is ever going to carry all five again. Here's the deal. You actually have to work together. (laughs) I know. This is crazy. Now we're going in some scary territory. (laughs) Unity. All right? Um, Not uniformity. (laughs) Unity. You can be unified and disagree. Man, I'm having fun this morning. <laughs> I told you I'd get you before the end of the day. You can, you can be, people tell me all the time, did you see that person, what they said? I said, I did. What do you think about it? I disagree. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. It's not my job to police the world. Well, you're not in unity. No, we're not in uniformity. They can have their own opinion. Oh, we're going to hang here just a hair longer. You see, we have for so long tried to create um, a culture that we call a clean, healthy culture, which often is just a culture of fear. Because we have feared people into the point where you're not going to bring up your mess. Because if you bring up your mess, all the church knows to do is to put you on the spiritual island of Alcatraz, and they don't know what to do with you. And so we're going to restore you by leaving you. And when you figure it out, you can come back. <laughs> I just went to San Fran, so I see, I see that in my head, literally. <laughs> we, we stick them on an island, and, we, and don't get me wrong. It's, it's, some people, uh, they may need to be put on an island with someone that can help direct them. Some people, Nate, even the Bible talks about separating people from the house of God, that their hearts are not repentant. But it's not just to leave them on an island and say, figure it out, Jack. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens is, is that we create a culture that we, we want to say that we have a clean, healthy church. But really what we want to do is we just don't want to see your messes because it makes us look worse. And so the easiest way for us not to deal with your messes is to make you so scared to bring up your mess that you'll never bring it up. And now we've created the fear culture. When Jesus came to cast out all fear, we keep creating doctrines to teach it back into people. We keep creating more and more. Listen, people ask me all the time, what's your end times belief? I really don't want to get into that, but I'll tell you this. If yours has to do with fear, it can't be godly. I know it stings. Um, If what you feel about the end times, whatever that is, if whatever it is, if it has to do with fear, it's not God because he came to cast out fear and he didn't come to put it back in you just to scare you to heaven. And so here we are, we've got, we've got these different gifts and I was going somewhere with this. Um, But what happens is, as many of us have said that the apostle and the prophet are no longer needed. I'm not going to teach on that. People think that certain things have been fulfilled scripturally, so they're no longer relevant. Here's the reality, though. When you move the apostle and the prophet, you've removed the two primary offices that their job is to hear heaven. And you're left with a church without anyone leading it that's hearing heaven, so all you're getting is leaders that are basically bad news leading churches. You can have pastors, teachers, and evangelists that are doing it all out of fear. They're fearing you to, to get healthy. They're fearing you to learn the Bible. They're fearing you to get saved. Why? Because the ones that often carry hope and future and vision are the two that connect to heaven, and we've removed them. Is this making sense at all? I didn't plan on teaching on fivefold at all, but it went there. I just think this is important because we need to hear. And sometimes, you know, oh, man, I'm not even going to go there. Um, I, we need that. We need it. We need to hear what apostolic voices are saying. We need to hear. They, they hear from heaven. They see what's going to happen. The prophetic, they're so good. My wife is so prophetic, and she's so helpful to me because I'm constantly wanting to do something. She's constantly saying, have you thought about the timing of that? And I'm like, Stop. I'm ready to go. And she's like, but but, but let's... And, and, and <laughs> prophetic people, they have this ability, especially prophets. Let me, let, me, let me draw a clarification. Because you move in the prophetic does not make you a prophet. Right. Yeah. This is really important. Because some people feel like, well, I can give a word of knowledge. We can all give a word of knowledge. We can all prophesy. We all have the ability to step into those gifts. But it doesn't make you a prophet. Also, if you're a prophet... Else, <laughs> If you're a prophet outside of this house, doesn't mean you're a prophet in this house. Paul talked about Metrons and said, I have a specific Metron in which I have been called to minister to. So even if your business card calls you prophet, it doesn't mean that you have a Metron everywhere you go. God has called you to a certain Metron. Okay, I'm losing you. Um, The gate. (laughs) Woohoo. Uh, so, so here's the, this passage about the gate of heaven. And, and it's really, really important that we see some of the elements happening here. And I'm going to run out of time because I don't want to do a little bit of ministry at the end. So let me just go through this quickly. Jacob has this encounter with the Lord. I realized something this morning that I've never seen before. I've always focused on four things, excuse me, three things in this passage. Three things. He defines this place as Bethel, which means house of God, and he says it's none other than the gate of heaven. What is a gate? A gate is a transition point. A gate can also keep things in and keep things out. Biblically, if you do some things on gates, it's really interesting. Because if you were to take what we call reformation, and when I talk about reforming culture, which is very simple, I don't want to take over culture. I just want to see culture begin to be more like heaven again. Can I say that? I'm not looking to dominate culture. I'm looking to serve culture so I can see it look more like heaven. And when we talk about culture, we talk about different streams of culture. And I was studying the scripture this morning. I realized all the different streams of culture were represented at the gates of a city. In biblical cities, at the gates, different things happened. Marriages happened. Um, uh, Governmental decisions happened. They were a place of protection. They were a place of safety. They were a place... I can go through all these different things, which is a much bigger teaching on what happens at the gates of a city. So here, Jacob has this encounter, and when he says, this place is none other than the house of God, the gate of heaven, his mind isn't like you and me. When I think of a gate, right, I live on a farm, and it just closes and opens a pasture. He had a much bigger perspective when he said, this place is a gate, This place where the heaven is, this is a place where relationships change. This is a place where government changes. He had an understanding for the term gate that we don't live with because we don't have gates like these. But I want you to notice something. The three things that he said. So when we talk about the house of God, there is this real simple tool that we use when we study our Bible. It's called First mention. First mention is this, when you, when you hear a word and you want to understand what it means, a good place to start is to go back and find the first place it was ever mentioned in the Bible. Before it went through all, you know, all the years of being twisted and formed into things, what did it originally mean? The first time that we ever heard the words, house of God, the first mention was in this scripture right here. And I want you to notice what was present when there was a definition of the house of God, right? There's three things. One, there was an open heaven. Two, there was the voice of the Father. And three, there was supernatural activity. This is the definition in your word of God of what the house of God was supposed to look like. But I caught a fourth one this morning. It all happened in the context of rest. (laughs) This one was good. I never even saw that. I mean, I knew he dreamed, but it hit me. He's in a place of rest. He's positioned in a place of rest. Sometimes God has to put us to sleep to close our mouth. So people ask me all the time, would you pray for my son or daughter? They're just just—they're so far from the Lord. They won't listen to anything I say. And I always pray, Lord, would you just meet them in their dreams? Yep. Why? Because that's the one place you can't fight back. <laughs> and so here he is. Jacob is at a place where he is resting. He is, he's on the run. He's stopped. He sleeps. He rests. And he has this encounter with the Lord. And then he comes from it, and he says, I didn't even know that God was here. And then it says, here's what happened. I heard his voice. There was an open heaven. There was angels ascending and descending. This is the house of God. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the house of God, there should always be four things present. One, rest. Mm -hmm. Now, what am I saying with rest? I'm not just talking about sleeping, although that is great. (laughs) I love to sleep. Rest is not about taking a break. It's about a lifestyle. Rest is about coming into a place where you're not striving to perform or impress any person or God. I am, you ever heard, uh, it sounds bad, but when someone passes away, we'll say, they're at rest now. What does that mean? They have nothing left to struggle over, nothing left to prove they're at rest now. It would be great that we could be at rest before we're dead. I'm, I'm gonna, you're gonna fill this one now because we're not good at this one. We can be, so when Jesus was baptized, we saw the initial, the initial, like a prototype, I'll call it, of a, of a new covenant believer. This passage right here, right, we see it carry over to when Jesus gets baptized. But something's happening. The gate of heaven is moving from being one place to on a person. Remember with Jesus? First of all, remember he was John the Baptist baptized, and what happened? The heavens were open, the voice of the Father spoke, and a dove descended from heaven. Supernatural activity. And then the Father said over Jesus at this point, which establishes rest, My son, I'm well pleased in you. Wait a minute. Jesus hasn't done anything yet. (laughs) Imagine how different this would be if Jesus was on the cross and he just was getting ready to breathe his last breath and and then the father says, my son, I'm pleased in you. We would have immediately connected what Jesus did to the father's pleasure in him. Jesus was stating before, excuse me, the, the father was stating before Jesus did anything He has been in a place of rest. And I often wonder, I can't, I have no biblical proof for this, but I just wonder how hard it could have been for Jesus to not do anything for 30 years. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, he was fully man. And to walk around and see the fingerprints of sin on everything and know I got what it takes to deal with that. That person that is in pain, I could heal them. This could teach because just because your heart wants to step into a God thing, if you step into it prematurely, it's not a good thing. I'm gonna. All right, try that one again. People tell me all the time, "I just want to be a minister." (laughs) Great. I want. I want to do this. I want to do this, and it's like. Okay, good, but but what's the season? What's the time? Because it's a great thing for you to want to go and to minister the gospel, but if you do it before it's your season, it's not good. Jesus demonstrated for us at this baptism the same thing that we experience in Genesis where he's making a point. I've been in a place for 30 years of just resting in the goodness of the Lord. I'm resting in my identity, and He all of a sudden we see... The heavens open, the voice of the Father and angelic activity, excuse me, supernatural activity begin to rest on Jesus. But how many of you know that that's not where it's going to end? Because the whole purpose of Jesus coming was for you to be like him. I thought I'd got more on that one. He wants you to be like him. That's really, really good. We see see in um, Ephesians, if you fast forward, we see in Ephesians where... Paul says, you know, you've been given all the spiritual blessings. Everything that you saw Jesus do, plus more. Yeah. You got it. Right. And so not only is Jesus stepping into this new place, he is, he's prototyping what we're coming into. You still with me? Yep. He's, he's, he's setting the example for us, and here he is, and now he is being you know, clothed in power, But then, what we would expect, you know, you want to come down to the altar and, man, can you imagine that? It's like the heavens open up, voice of the Father speaks over you, a bird lands on you. And you're going to leave and be like, it's on, baby. And then you go straight to the wilderness. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Why? Because what you've just stepped into needs to be formed up in you or it will crush you. <laughs> we just poured this 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 concrete pad at my house for a hot tub, oh feel the Jesus on that. and, um, and, uh, <laughs> and this concrete truck backs down in our yard, and I'm, I'm telling him I'm like, I have concerns like <laughs> that you're going to make it back out of my yard anyways, um he pours the concrete. How many you know that there's this process of when you're setting something, you have to form it up first? In the process, you have to put this wood in, and then you have to not only put wood in, you have to reinforce it, because when the weight of that concrete hits that form, if it hasn't been reinforced and strengthened, it will crush. Most people get the moment with God, and they're like, pour it on me, Jesus. And he's like, whoa, whoa, hold on, buddy. Let's back it up, and let's put some reinforcement in your life. How do you get that reinforcement? He takes you through situations that is going to test you. Now, he does not put you in situations for you to fail. I've heard that teaching. Well, God just wanted me to fail to teach me something. No, one of two things. God did not want you to fail, and you did fail. Or God never wanted to take you into that. You chose that. But God doesn't take you into something for you to fail. It's not in his nature. Yep. But he will teach you things in your own failures. Yep. Another big amen. Um, so, so, are you with me? Um, thanks, babe. Can I finish my concrete story? Um, he did get stuck in my yard. The best part was when he looked at me and said, can you pull me out? I said, I did some Googling this morning. He weighed 30,000 pounds. My F-150 come to find, can't to pull him out. But it was fun to try. We got him out. Some of you, it was just funny. I could, I could make something spiritual out of it, but I really just wanted to tell you because it was funny. So, we go through seasons where God wants to pour his presence out on you. God, in the same way with Jesus, he was pouring out his presence, but before he could take the presence and begin to step into the weight of ministry, Jesus needed to go through a season of it being firmed up in him. Even Jesus. He didn't take him out there to fail, he didn't take him out there and put him out there that he could, you know, well, if you make it through this, you're good. It wasn't performance driven. And he goes out into this season, and how many of you know, the devil came to him. The devil's not changed his methods for a very long time. He always takes the word, and he twists it. Did I talk about teachers yet? <laughs> the devil will take the word, and he twists it. He's been doing it for a long time. That's why we have so many different denominations some of us see different parts of the word that they really are strong for us. And so if this denomination doesn't find that as valuable as me, I'm going to create a new one. Some of them are literally differences over like one to two things. I could tell you some of them. I mean, you're talking one to two things and they had to form a new denomination over it. You see, the devil came to God, Jesus, and he kept taking scripture and presenting it to him. And Jesus set an example for us. He didn't go into crazy warfare. (laughs) He just took the word and he gave it back to him in context and said, no, here's the truth. This is why you need to know your Bible. Oh, I feel that one. Maybe you're warring through something that if you just knew the truth, yeah. Yeah. you could give that back to him. Yeah. Some people are fighting when I'm sitting here saying, man, there's actually, you there really isn't much of a war here. You just don't know the truth. Right. Yeah. So we see that the enemy is notorious for taking the truth and twisting it. Where did this all start? And I'm going to end on this. We'll take it back to the garden. Take it back to Adam and Eve. You know what always amazes me with Eve? Was that the enemy actually, he actually got her to want something that she already had. going to hold this. (laughs) What did the enemy say? If you want to be like God, do this. Wait a minute. Didn't when God formed them say, I formed you in my image? Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're already like God. So where is the problem? Eve tried to attain being like God through works instead of grace. She wasn't in rest. She was trying to do instead of be. My wife preached a sermon years ago, and I've heard it shared by others. And, I, you know, I, it's just the concept of human beings versus human doings. We've convinced ourselves that we need to be a human doing instead of a human being. We're called to be in his presence. Eve was already like her father, she looked In a way, just like him. And the devil said, you want to be like God? Step one, first thing wrong, she didn't realize, I'm already like God. And two, she said, well, how do I get this through striving instead of just being? You, as a believer, we we have this... Slogan, we are the gate, because literally we are the house of God now. we, Everywhere I go, everywhere you go, there is the house of God. Bethel is within those of you that are believers. What does that mean? Everywhere you go, there should be the voice of God. There is an open heaven. Randall talked about it last Sunday night. He said it's not a problem that you have to work something up to get his presence. The reality is, is you just don't recognize his presence is all around you. He called it being present in the presence. People, folks, I, I'm not trying to be uh, silly or a smart aleck, but like prayers, like Lord, rend the heavens and come down. He did. And, and and we pray that I I don't and listen I don't I don't like to make fun of people. If someone's praying that, I usually can see like their heart is genuinely to encounter the Lord. I'm not going to mock them. But I want the people to understand that when Jesus. When he, the heavens were rended and when he came down, there's no scriptural reference that says he went back up. Yes, his body went back up, but his spirit and everything he released remained. And so there's things that we often can begin to pray for and believe for that, that the, the truth is, is they're yours already. I think, I think we'd be so much more efficient in our prayers if we just knew what we already had as a believer. So what are we going to see? Let's, let's, let's end it on this with a corporate experience because I do believe that there is a personal experience of the house of God and um, operating in open heavens. And then there's a corporate experience of that, right? Yeah. This is important because some, some people will be like, well, then why do I need to come to church? Well, <laughs> I have learned this thing about God. He will hide things in my community from me, so I have to be in community to access them. I know that I have the power to lay hands on the sick and be healed. There may be times, though, that I need someone in my community to lay hands on me. Often we will try to bypass community when God will hide the things in community that you need. So you won't skip community. He'll often hide them in the person you don't like. There's nothing greater than when someone who often, we all know this person, someone that just gets under your skin, has the exact word from the Lord you're praying for. You guys are so much more holy than me, apparently, because, you know, the, the, the someone that, like, they, everything they do, just, it's, ah, uh, yeah. It's like, it irritates you, you know? And then they come in and they're like, listen, and you've been praying for weeks for this, Lord, just give me clarity And this. Hey, I just, and as soon as you see him coming, you start to walk away. And they're like, I just feel like the Lord wanted me to say this. And they say it and you're like, oh. (laughs) Why? Because God is forming something in you. And the corporate expression is important. This is important. The assembly is important. Listen, COVID did not change that. Can I be bold on that? COVID did not change the church. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> We're not going online, baby. We're still assembling. I'm going to drive this one in because a virus from hell does not change what God's ordained from heaven. I think we can be creative and we can open up opportunities, which we have. We increased ways for people to come that can't come, but it didn't change what God has ordained for the church. Yeah. So what are we supposed to experience in a church with open heavens or with, um, with this Jacob's Ladder experience? Well, I already said one of them is open heaven. It should be a place where, listen, when you walk in here, I believe we can get to a place where there's no spiritual hindrances, I do, I I believe that, I've been in atmospheres when you walk in, it's so crystal clean that whatever you're believing for happens. I'm not saying that there's not prayer going on, but I believe we can get to a place where it's an open heaven. I believe that we can come to a place where we can begin to have unified expectancy. Not uniform, unified expectancy. What does that mean? That means that we all came, we're we're expecting God to move. We understand that he does the miraculous. And you begin to feel when I come into a room where everyone has a unified expectancy. Oh, I can feel it. Because the person gets up to open the service is like, well, thank you, Jesus. And the room's yes. You're like, you know, and they're like, man, God is good. <sighs> come on. You know, and it's like the place, it's not hype. It's it's just people are expecting God to move. I know hype. It's an expectancy. But what else happens? Supernatural surprises. <laughs> What does that mean? I didn't come for that, and then I was just in worship, and God was like, boom! And He messed my life up, and I just, I love Him so much. <laughs> you ever have those moments in worship where, like, come in and he's just, He just, sh- something happens, and you're like, oh. People are like, you okay? I'm fine. It hurts so good. So good. Those supernatural surprises. You're on the playground with the kids and someone starts to talk and heaven just comes down on the playground. It happens. It's a place. What is a a church that is a gate of heaven? It is a victorious place. We'll say that one again. It is a victorious place. What does that mean? I'm not coming here to get the victory. I'm coming here from the victory. I'm not worshiping to get victory. I'm worshiping from victory. I'm not fighting for the breakthrough. I'm believing to enforce the breakthrough that's already happened. Because it was like done on the cross, right? You weren't just saved from going to hell on the cross. He wanted to get hell out of you while you're still on earth. It's a victorious place. It's a place where we believe that God can do it. We believe that he can touch our city. And it is a place. What is a church that's a gate? It's a place that reaches their city. They're impacting their city. We sung about it this morning, God of revival, touch our city. What does that mean? It doesn't mean you have to have just put together programs. I appreciate structured outreach opportunities. But if they're not there, grab some other gates And go be a gate. And just watch heaven move because you carry it with you. It's a place, and I've written these down, it's a place of financial blessing. It is. It's a place where he loves to provide. It's a place of communion. It's an atmosphere where God wants to provide for his children. He wants to not just provide your needs. He actually wants to bless you. Say this with me. He likes me. He likes. All right, just want to make sure you got that. A <laughs> couple more. It's a place of faith. It's not a, it's not a place of, of doubt and unbelief. It's a place of faith. It's a place of vision. How many understand when you get into that, that, that open heaven place, the vision just opens up in your life? I can bang my head and get to the point where I have left with me personally. I can leave. I can get so caught up trying to make something happen that I actually can leave the presence of God and find myself just hitting my head on the wall. And the Lord's like, stop and get back in my presence. And then I stop and I come back in his presence. And then he goes, Phew. the gate, it's a place of vision. And lastly, it's a, place, it's a place of worship. I know you can come up with your own list too. Go for it. But it's a place of worship. What we do up here, let me just say this. What we do up here, it's not a warm up for the sermon. (laughs) This is not a warm up for me. I tell people all the time, I'm like, if you have to pick one, I'd rather you be at the worship. People say, Well, I'm gonna be late for worship, I'll be there for the word. Well, you'll be there for the part for you, but not the part for God. I had one last ditch effort to get you by the end. Um, I think we got everybody. No, I'm not trying to offend anybody. I, I just genuinely believe that we can turn coming to church into an experience that we begin to think it's about us. And when we begin to get a mindset that the worship's not important, but I need to be there for the word. We have gotten into an unhealthy place where it's, well, that 45 minutes of me just letting go of everything and giving to you, Jesus, I'm going to miss that, but I will be there for where I expect you to give back to me. Yeah, yeah. And we've got to do better at that. We've got to do better at that. There's no shame and condemnation, guys. If you're late to church, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> just don't let it happen again. <laughs> <laughs> No, sometimes it it is okay. I remember one time I'll finish on a funny story. Uh, My daughter was in competitive gymnastics, and uh, I'm her dad, man. I wanted to, she had one on a Sunday morning. I'm like, I feel like a sinner. Like, I'm going to her competition. I wanted to see my little girl, like, in this competition that I wouldn't be able to see. And I remember me having to process through the feelings as a pastor, not being in his own church on a Sunday morning. And I found out that you can be religious about being religious. And God was like, John, you're okay. Sometimes the Lord just needs to speak to you and be like, you're good. And, and so I don't want to put the weight on you. I was, I was sharing that because I think there's a value to worship, but not a, a burden on you for being late or skipping it. So let's stand up. <laughs> Holy Spirit, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, God. Can we just thank him for what he's doing right now in this room? Thank you, God. Thank you for healing people right now. Listen, if you need to get your kids, feel free at any point. I'm going to do a couple things I want to pray over before we wrap it up. um, Holy Spirit, would you just come? and I ask that, Lord, that right now you would really just you would recalibrate the way that we we understand what kingdom life is. That we would come, that first of all, God, I ask that you would just, I don't know how to do this corporately, but you do, God. Would you just help set your kids free from feeling like they have to strive to be something or do something, and they can just be it? I feel that over some of you that maybe you've come out of a, a ministry-oriented background. That's probably going to be a big challenge for you, is that you come from a heavy culture of doing, and God is just wanting you to step into the, 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 the reality of it, you can just be in his presence. Father, in the same way that you spoke to Jesus, your son, before he ever did any ministry, he was just a son. He was the Messiah, the king of the world, but he was a son at that point. Can you teach us how to be sons and daughters? Can you teach us how to just be a son? Some of you really need this. If that's you and you just, just pray over your heart, Lord, teach me how to be a, this is all of us, teach me how to be a son, teach me how to be a daughter, pray that, teach me God, some of you just, it, it will make you the best husband or wife you could be, the best parent you could be comes out of one continual prayer, God, teach me how to be a son, teach me how to be a daughter. Lord, I ask that you would give us a revelation of the gate of heaven, that we operate in that place. We've stepped into a place that the Bible says in two different places, Ephesians and um, I think First Timothy, um, that angels, they watch to see what we do because it's something that they, in Timothy it said that from prophets long ago, the angels have been watching to see what happens. Even the angelic realm watches what sons and daughters in right relationship can do. Lord, I ask that you would empower, that you would bring a strength on your kids this morning, that they would begin to realize that I am a powerful believer. I am a powerful child of God. Would you just help erase The lies that have taken root in their minds over many years, some of them, that don't line up with what you say about them. Would you just take out those roots and just show them, God, what you have to say about them? Just wait here for a minute. Jesus. Jesus. I I feel a couple prophetic words I want to release before I release you. Um, Right here, right next to you, this girl, yeah, her, you. Yeah, you're so in Jesus, you don't know I'm talking to you. Um, I just, I felt... um, I felt the joy of the Lord over you this morning. Every time I would shift my my glance this way, I just like I felt, I felt just the pleasure of the Lord over you. Um, and I and I felt like a, a just an affirmation from the Lord over you this morning. That uh, I don't know what you're, I don't know you I don't even know your name, um, but I feel like there's been a number of times that you just prayed, Lord, are you pleased with me, Lord, are you, are you? Are you happy or am I pleasing to you? And I feel like the Lord wanted to pull you out of the whole room this morning just to affirm you and let you know he's so pleased in you. And so, um, Lord, I just bless her. I just bless her right now. I thank you for your love for her. Yeah, some of you around her, you can just bless her and love on her, but God's doing it. Lord, can you just... um, yeah, you. I feel like he just wanted to speak that over you. I don't have anything more than that. But Lord, I thank you for your, that you would pull her out of a crowd. And even I, I feel like the lady with the issue of blood that like in a, in a group of people, she just touched Jesus and she was so hungry, she pulled the miracle out of him. And so I, I feel on you that God wants you to know that you have like a, yeah, there it is. Um, God wants you to know that you just, you have a direct connection to him. I know you know that, but um, you have the ability to pull heaven. So I just bless you with that. In Jesus, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Man, there's a few people I had a word for, and they all left. I think they got their kids. (laughs) Turn good parents. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, there you are, Clark. Yeah, there you are. Um, Yeah. Um, When I was preaching earlier, you had something on your head piece of paper or something stuck on your ear. or I don't know. I, I thought you did. Um, <laughs> did you? Or am I losing it? Yeah, okay. Um, and and I, I started to giggle. <laughs> I was like, what's on his head? Um, and I, and I, I just feel over you. You've always been a person that likes to, um, you know, adventure with the Lord. And I, I'm not, this is not prophecy. I know this from people that know you. <laughs> I'm not <Prop-a-Lion>. Um <laughs> I, I I do know that you, <laughs> just you're a wild guy. Um um, but I actually, f- oh, man, yeah, help me, Jesus. I actually feel like God has got you in a season that's. there's gonna be some things that are different for you that um, in one way it's going to stretch you that might feel like uh, it's not natural or normal for what is your personality. You're like, let's always keep going, and, and I actually feel like God is maybe taking you, yeah, he is taking you into a season where, He's going to teach you how to experience such joy where you're at that it will change It will change you and your whole family. Um, it will mark you. It will mark you. And you've always found God in so many ways that are like living on the edge, we'll say. But I actually feel like he's going to teach you something new of how to find him in a new place. This, this may not make sense yet, but it will. Um, and so I just want to bless you with... I pray that, God, that you would teach him. I keep hearing joy over you. Joy, joy, joy. Like when I saw a funny thing on your head and I giggled, I, like, the Lord's like, he's coming into a season of joy. But a lot of it's going to look different and require there are different disciplines in your life that maybe you haven't had before. And so I just bless you with that, Clark. I bless your family. You're such a beautiful family, man. Just bless your family with encounters with the presence of God and the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Um, one more prophetic word. Uh, ball cap guy right here with the backward hat. Um, yeah, he's like, yeah, don't look at me like that, man. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, what's she got to say? Uh, <laughs> never mind. Um, no, she, no, I just, um, I, I felt over you also just, just the whole time, like, um, I believe that there's something in you that is long, that is really longing for more of the Lord. Um, whether or not it's something that you have fully tapped into yet or not, I feel like there's something in you like that's just. If I can say this, just how I feel it, I looked at you I'm like, man, this guy's like, I don't know if he's digging this or not. Like he's just like stoic with his face, and like the Lord is like, that guy is hungry for the Lord. Yeah. And I just, I feel like God is stirring something in you. And I just want to bless that over you because every time uh, certain people I would pass through the room and they would highlight to me man and God would be like focus on them focus on them and I kept coming back to you so I apologize maybe your first sunday for calling you out like this I don't normally do that but here we are um, so Lord I just I bless I bless this gentleman in Jesus name I just I want to bless you um I bless some relationships in your life I don't know why I'm praying that uh, I don't know if you have children whatnot, but I bless your relationships with your children, and I feel like um, God wants to do something in the relationships specifically in your life. Um, I, f- I know we started on the hunger of the Lord, but I actually feel he's kind of taking a turn and that there's some areas that you need breakthrough in some relationships, and you need him to go before you. And so I just bless you that he would go before you and that he would guide you. And that even things in you that you whether you recognize it's him or not, he's putting things in you that are seeds that are trying to raise up and they're trying to grow up, and it's hunger for God. And so I bless you for more of that. I pray that he would awaken you even in the night. I feel like he's gonna, I do feel like he's going to give you dreams. So I would, I'd just encourage you to be aware to write them down because he'll speak to you through those. And so I just, I bless you. I bless you with that, man. In Jesus' name, I'm going to call the prayer team up. Um, and... Uh, Yeah, come on up, prayer team. One more over this, right here in the back couple, guy with the, got white on your jacket coming down on the end. Yeah, yeah, you. I I thought it was like a cool scarf for a minute. (laughs) It's just your jacket. Um, I just bless you guys. Um, Are you married? No? It's going to be awkward. Okay. (laughs) He's like, yeah. (laughs) All right. Um, I bless your marriage. I bless you two to be able to be together more than most couples are together. I feel like God wants, me and my wife have a unique relationship. We are together more than most couples could be together. We just, we are together all the time and we do great. We've always been that way. When first year I dated her, I put 40,000 miles on my car, driving her college every day to see her. Because I just, and, and I feel over you two when I look at you, the same thing in my spirit, that God is gonna, you two are gonna be so close that you're never gonna get tired of each other. I, I, I know that we would all love to say that, but I genuinely believe over you two. There's gonna be a connection, that you're never gonna feel tired of each other. And from that place, He's gonna teach you things. And so I just felt a blessing over your marriage. And so I just, I wanna bless you guys with um, just a nearness of heart for each other that would never, ever, ever grow weary. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Uh, prayer team is up here. Um, if you want a prayer for something with the sermon or a healing or breakthrough, whatever it might be, they'll pray with you. Otherwise, bless somebody around you on your way out before you go home. You've been listening to the Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.